So we're in week three of this series, Hot Topics. So we're, so we're kind of halfway through this series, and you know, back in week one, we looked at that, that topic of if we're all following Jesus, why is there so much hypocrisy or hurt inside the church? And see, these are kind of these questions that people ask both within the church and outside the church. It's just sometimes inside the church we don't ask them out loud. Yeah, and then last week we kind of looked at, is the Bible true? Can we actually believe the Bible is what it says it is? And we kind of went through, and instead of using the Bible to prove itself, we kind of went outside the Bible, and we looked at all the different transcripts and things that we have, and basically that apologetic message of how we know the Bible is actually true. Because ultimately, if someone doesn't believe the Bible, you're not going to convince them that the Bible is true with the Bible itself. And now today we're going to talk about another subject that, that I think a lot of people, especially Christians, sometimes question. And our hot topic today is faith versus science. Because ultimately in this world, you've got people who say, hey, well, you know, we, you can't have faith and believe in science, or, or you can't believe science and actually have faith, you know, because faith is as antiquated. You believe in this ancient book and, and that all these different men wrote and put together, and, and science is fact. It's what we know today. It's the truth, and, and they're able to prove it. And, and so your book and your religion is not good because science has proved the opposite. And believe it or not, there's a lot of Christians who actually believe that, and a lot of non-Christians that actually believe that. But did you know most of the first scientists were actually believers? Many scientists today are believers in Jesus Christ, and what they've done is they've taken that belief in what God has created and what he has done and wanted to dig deeper into it. And honestly, when you put science and faith together, it should actually help your worship because you're going to see different things that both faith and science where they could actually complement each other. And unfortunately, there's many times, though, that there's just bad religion. You know, there's this bad religion. And, and you think back in about 1500 um, A.D., We had there a scientist. Wow, I actually lost my train of thought. Uh, Nicol Nicholas Copernicus, Copernicus actually came up and, and through science realized that the Earth is not the center of the universe. He he kind of came out and said, "Hey, the sun is the center of the universe," and, and it went against what religion said. And ultimately, what religion did is they had a bad interpretation of Psalm 104, verse five which actually says he established the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. And here, here this scientist, he had to, for 30 years, had to keep his foundation and what he found quiet, otherwise he would have been persecuted by the church. And then about 100 years later, Galileo comes along, and, and Galileo was a scientist who was strong in his Christian, Christian faith, and he actually kind of picked up and said, well, yes, you're right. The earth is not the center of the universe. The sun is. And the earth actually revolves around the sun. And this still went against what the church believed because they were hanging on to this one verse in Scripture that was wrong. 
that the church actually started telling him that at 70 years old, he needs to either renounce what he discovered or he would be persecuted by the church. Which is pretty sad when you think about that. And, and actually Pope, Pope John Urban VIII actually gave that decree in 1633. That Galileo at 70 years old better renounce what he has found out through science or they will persecute him and beat him and torture him. So you see, this is a bad religion. Bad religion going off of what they believed in and what they misinterpreted, and then science showed it differently. Now, you look at today, every one of us can truly say what? The sun is the center of the universe, and the earth revolves around it, right? And it doesn't affect any of our Christian faith, right? But sometimes we hold on so tight to things, even when evidence proves differently, we hold on so tight because, as I said at the very beginning of this series, and I'm going to say every week, some of us have our own pre perceived ideas or our own beliefs in what we do, and we're going to hold on to those beliefs. But ultimately, as we go through these different subjects, we need to look at, and if our belief doesn't line up with the Bible, don't expect the Bible to change for your belief. It means that sometimes, guess what? Maybe we were taught wrong. Maybe our belief is wrong. And if our belief doesn't fit through that biblical filter, we're probably wrong. And we can't expect God to change his word to line up with us. He's not going to say, okay, this is Ken's version of the Bible so that it lines up with everything he believes. I need to align what I believe up with what God's word says and put what I believe through this biblical filter. And... So you, you got a bad you got bad religion, but you know there's also bad science. Science says that, that evolution's not a theory, that it's actually a fact, which to me is bad science. They've got no actual proof of evolution. They they can't reproduce it, they can't do anything about it, but they'll actually say that it's fact, although they have no scientific evidence to prove the theory of evolution. And we need to understand our part in how science and faith come together. You know, we, we can't say the earth is flat when the Bible says it's a sphere. We can't say dinosaurs never roamed on the earth because there's scientific fact that they have. So, you, you know, we both, both science and religion or faith is looking for answers. We're just looking for answers differently or to different questions as we go through it. So today we're actually going to be in the book of Job. And we're going to be three different sections in the book of Job. But ultimately we're going to use it to kind of help us with our big idea for today. And the big idea is what is the relationship between faith and science? And of course faith and science are not opposing disciplines. Throughout history, Christians have often been the greatest proponents of scientific discovery using their intellect to actually worship God. So we're going to start out, we're going to be in Job chapter 28, then we're going to jump to thir chapter 38 and 42, but we're going to start, don't worry, because all the scripture will be up on the screen. So we're going to start out in Job chapter 28, just verses 12 and 13, and, and as we start this discussion of 
of faith and science, and we got to see, you know, can can what is science, what is faith, and can they actually coexist? We're going to kind of start with the science side of it. But first I wanted to read the scripture. So Job chapter 28, verses 12 and 13 say this, But where can wisdom be found, and where is understanding located? No one can know its value since it cannot be found in the land of the living. So we got to first start out, and as we talk about science, here the book of Job is telling us that science, that wisdom can't be found in the land of the living. So you think about it, and you're like, well, what do you mean we can't find wisdom? And, and what Job's talking about here, if you read the verses prior to it, it's talking about different wisdom than the conventional wisdom found in Proverbs. He's actually talking about this, this wisdom from God that we can't obtain. You can't buy it with gold. You can't buy it with precious stones. You, you can't attain it because there's this gulf or this expansion between our belief or our wisdom and God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom is so much greater than ours, and, and there's no place in the land of the living that we can actually find all of God's wisdom. And, and as you go back and you kind of look at this and you, you think about what is science, I guess we got to know what the dictionary says science is, right? So according to dictionary.com, science is defined as this. A branch of knowledge or study dealing with a body of facts or truth systematically arranged and showing the operation of general laws. Systematic knowledge of the physical or material world gained through the observation and experimentation. So see, science looks at the physical world and, and they try and get the knowledge of what makes it work. And, and they get the knowledge of what makes the world work by actually reconstructing it and seeing it and observing it inside a lab or inside an experimental setting. That, that's how science is supposed to work. Notice I said how it's supposed to work. But see, science is limited to the actual physical. It's limited to what it can actually observe, what it can actually reproduce, what it can actually do. And, and as you think about science, science can't prove history. And what I mean by history, science would never be able to prove that George Washington was the commander of the Continental Army and our first president. Science can't prove that. You know what else science can't prove? Science can't prove miracles. So it can't prove the parting of the Red Sea. It can't prove the virgin birth. It can't pro reproduce or, or show when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus came out of the grave. And it definitely cannot re reproduce Jesus turning water into wine. So ultimately, because it can't reproduce it, it says miracles don't exist because they can't actually reproduce them inside a lab or experiment because what they do is they try and do it, but they can't get consistent results. So therefore, scientifically, miracles cannot happen. How many people in this room have had a miracle happen in their life? According to science, it don't happen. It can't happen according to science. So therefore, some parts of science are different than faith. But ultimately, it's just because of the way we actually look at them. You know, and when you really want to look at what science is, science uses scientific method, 
So the nurses in the house and the students in the house or anyone who likes science who actually liked this little teaching lesson here, I myself always enjoyed science as a kid just because I like to blow stuff up. I thought it was neat to just watch things explode. <laughs> uh, watch things come from nothing. But, but basically the scientific method is what all science is based off of. And, and what it is is they identify a problem. So a problem's identified, and then what they do is they get this relevant data towards the problem, and they come up with this hypothesis uh, of what it's going to be. And, and then as they process the data, they test the hypothesis. So, so basically the way it works is, is they got a hypothesis, they gather information, and then they let it play out. And basically because of the, the facts and the data they pull in, they actually either prove or disprove the hypothesis. That's how it's supposed to work. However, some in the scientific world today create the hypothesis and then take the data and try and make the data line up with their own way of thinking and not let the data prove something right or wrong. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So if you come into my house, and, and when you come in my house, you're going to see some Hot Wheels and some train tracks, and you're going to see some different G.I. Joes and, you know, the little green army men and all this different stuff. So if you came into my house, your first, first hypothesis would be, hey, Pastor Ken either has a young son or I have young grandsons that come to the house to play. That would be a hypothesis, right? So then you would collect data to find out if I actually have young sons or grandsons that come to the house. But now what about this? What if I just like toys? What if I just like toys and I like playing with them? Well, then that's a different hypothesis, right? So your first hypothesis with data would be proved wrong. Well, what if I was a collector? So now you got three different, oh, what if it's my wife, Patty, that actually likes playing with toys? Or maybe I got granddaughters that like to play with toys. So there's all these different hypotheses. So ultimately, what do you got to do? You've got to get the data. You've got to start to put it together and figure out to prove which hypothesis is actually true. Although many of you, before you came in, you would automatically assume I had a young son or grandson at the house, correct? But we'd be wrong. And, and there's many times in life, even through science, where science has said something is good and this is fact, for it later to actually be proven wrong when more data came in. And, an example of that, think of probably most of all of the adults in this room, when you were a kid, or even when your mom was pregnant with you, they said it was okay for your mom to smoke while she was pregnant. Right? That used to be, oh, it's okay to smoke. But now that more data has been collected and more things have been analyzed, what is it now? Don't smoke if you're pregnant. And there's numerous different facts in science that have changed as the data has changed and as things have moved on. And... You know, like I said, many in the science community would actually look down on the Bible because how can you believe something that has miracles in it and you can't prove a miracle? Because they need to be able to observe it and experiment on it in order to see what it's actually doing. And I'm not going to get all into, into the climate change or different things like that, but I will give you something to think about. Climate change is actually considered settled science. So it's settled. They, they say climate change 
It's settled science. It is a fact. It's actually going to happen. But yet, they've, and they've always said it's just because of humans. Never the God factor in it. Never the fact of, you know, everything dies and regrows and everything else. But climate change is settled science. So ultimately, if scientists form a hypothesis, bring in relevant data, and work the data, and if it's settled science, then every scientist and everyone who digs into the data should come out with the same answer, right? Does everyone in this room have the same exact answer on what climate change is? No. Do the scientists? No. But yet someone in their agenda or inside their own mind, they took the data and moved it towards what they wanted the outcome to be. That's when science gets into problems. That, that's when it gets into serious problems, and that's what we see today. I mean, even as a kid, I remember when we were in school, that whole theory of evolution. We were taught the theory of evolution. In today's classroom, is it the theory of evolution, or do they call it evolution? They call it evolution, right? So they've dropped theory, but yet they can't prove anything about the whole evolution, how it happened, or this is how it's actually, and say this is fact, but yet they're teaching the younger generation like it's fact, but yet for us it was a theory. So ultimately, you know, as scientists change and they go to their own personal opinions, there's going to be facts that later down the line, like it's okay to smoke if you're pregnant, are going to be overturned. Only problem is we may not actually hear about it the way we heard about smoking is overturned. So I think it's, it's just interesting when you look at that whole concept. And, and even um, L. Harrison Matthews, he was actually an evolutionary biologist, he actually said this, the fact of evolution is the backbone of biology, and biology is thus in a, the peculiar position of being a science founded on an unproved theory. So then is it then science or is it faith in what it is? He went on to say, belief in the theory of evolution is thus exactly parallel to the belief in special creation. Both are concepts that believers know to be true, but neither up to the present has the capability to prove either one, which I think is pretty interesting. So, so as we looked and we started out, we looked at science. Let's look at faith. Well, what exactly is faith? And, and, and how do we know what faith is? And dictionary.com refers to faith as this. Confidence or trust in a person or thing, belief that is not based on proof, belief in God or the doctrines or teachings of religion. Now, I want to let you know I object to that whole not based on proof thing because we don't need something based on proof to believe in it. We, we can all believe in that. And, and Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 actually tells us, you know, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and, and the proof of what is not seen. Now, of course, that's not actually a definition of what faith is. That's more of a description of what faith does. It, it's that having that belief and knowing that, hey, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to believe it. I, I'm going to believe it. I, I haven't seen Jesus face to face, but man, someday I'm going to. I didn't see the parting of the Red Sea, but you know what? God's word says it happened, so I'm going to believe it happened. 
I'm going to believe that Mary was a virgin. I'm going to believe that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to believe these things because they're in God's word, and I believe what God's word says. And I don't need it to be based off of proof. I need it to be based off of my belief in God and what he calls us to do. Uh, and, and ultimately, as you look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. It, it tells us exactly why we, were, why we were created. It tells us we were created in the image of God. The Bible even tells us how long it took to create the world and the universe. Now, unfortunately, what the Bible doesn't tell us is how he did it. Besides, he said, let there be. It doesn't really take us through the process of what he did. And, and here as we look at Job, uh, the second part of Job that we're going to look at today, I think what we actually see is that, that God, as he begins this conversation, this discourse with Job back and forth, he's basically letting Job know he's all-powerful. So if you have your Bibles, Job chapter 38, verses 31 and 32 say this. Can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? So here God's telling him, look, I'm all powerful. Can you hold the constellations in their place? Can you do what you need to do? No, you can't do that. So he's basically telling Job, can you do what I can do? Because we know God is all-powerful. And, and as we look at this faith and, and this faith knowing that God is omnipotent and he's all-powerful, we've got to actually start to believe it. And, and, and I like what it actually says that even though you know science can't prove or disprove the thought of God's creation and all-powerful, Romans 1, verse 18 through 23 do give us a little more insight. So in Romans 1, 18 through 23, it says this, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all god godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his in invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. God says that creation is evidence of him. And, and, and you think about it as you look at it, creation cries that there's a creator. You look at creation, there's got to be someone who created it. And even back in, in 2003 in his book, Soul uh, Survivor, Philip Yancey actually said this, religion and not science at least proposes an answer to two questions. The two questions are, why is there something rather than nothing? Or as Stephen Hawking's put it, why does the universe even bother to exist? And the second question, why is that something beautiful and orderly? So as you look at the universe, you look at everything that God created, it is beautiful 
and it has order to it. And everything we do, you should be able to see. And as it says in God's word, you can see the evidence of God in his creation. Unfortunately, some people walk around blind. They, they don't want to see it. The, the, the burden of truth uh, is, is for them to try. And, you know, people will try and explain, oh, well, all this was created, but it came from chaos. No, it didn't. Look at all the intricacies in the world, but yet they can't see an artist. They don't understand. Look at everything. Look at how beautiful it is. But they, they don't see an artist inside it. Uh, they, they, they see design, but they won't submit that there has to be a designer. They, they turn around and they see everything that's beauty. And they see, see this intelligence in, in life forms. And they claim it came from randomness. Think about it. Think, just look around the world today and say, we're here today because of a random act Billions of years ago. It's crazy, isn't it? But yet they will say that theory of evolution, and they will say that out of nothing, out of chaos, out of all this, bam, everything came into existence. Well, yeah, you know that bang? God said, let there be. That was the bang. And unfortunately, you know, we can't prove what God did. We know what he says he did. We can see him in all of creation, but guess what? Science can't claim what they say happened either, and they can't prove it. Why? They cannot reproduce it inside a lab where they can actually observe it and see what it is. And, and that whole theory of evolution thing, I just love it because if, if we're still evolving, shouldn't we see some people that are still like in different stages? Now, granted, we may have some family members that we think are in different stages, but we should be able to physically see it. But, but we don't see it in our life today. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We should actually still see evolution happening. And if anything, I think evolution might be going in the other direction because I think some people are getting dumber and dumber in life. And, and the reality of the fact is, you know, when we look at God's word, we know what the end's going to be. And I would rather have faith in believing that when, when this world goes away, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. That's where I'm going to spend my eternity. And hey, you know what? If I'm wrong, if God's word is wrong and, and it's all a fable, guess what? At least I lived a good life and I loved people. I loved the Lord. I loved other people. I even loved my enemies. I, I treated people better than, than if I didn't believe. But that's what faith comes down to. Knowing that in this world, everything we see, we can see God in it. And by seeing God in it, it should raise our worship of him. We should want to worship him even that much more than everything that's going on. And I once saw a quote that said, uh, I pity the atheist who sees a beautiful sunrise and they don't know who to thank for it. You know, I see a beautiful th sunrise, I'm thanking God. I tell you, there, there's just something about it. I love watching sunrises. But there is something about watching sunrise on Easter morning. After we have our, when we have our sunrise service, and then you sit there and you watch that sunrise, after you just worship the Lord, and, and you know He is risen, and you watch that sunrise, and then there's just something beautiful about it. And just think, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus doesn't have anyone to thank for it. Thank you for the randomness of the sun rising and putting all these colors in the sky. That's just crazy, isn't it? I tell people all the time, it takes an atheist, 
atheist or non-believer, it actually takes more faith to be an atheist or a non-believer and to actually believe that there was nothing and, and bam, it happened and we're here today because of this chaos and nothingness. It takes more faith to believe that than to believe God said, let there be. In the beginning, God, dot, dot, dot. That's easy to believe. They actually have more faith believing the total other side of it, and it's disproven, but yet they'll tell us that we're kind of crazy because we believe this book. Well, will we believe, believe in a God? Well, this world is not ran by the whims of a bunch of gods. It's on the whim of one God that is good and is holy. So, so now, of course, you know, we've got to go into can science and faith actually coexist? And just so you know, I've got no time up here, so I could be like going forever today, you guys, just so you know. And I don't have a watch on, so I don't even know what time it is. So anyway, we'll, we'll, <clears throat> we'll get it closed out. But Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, say this. Then Job, applied to the, uh, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who conceals my, my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. So ultimately the question is, can science and faith coexist? Short answer, yes. Yes, they can coexist. Job tells us that God can give us answers to life. God can provide us with all the wisdom we need to go through this life. Many of the early scientists, like I said at the beginning, were actually... Christians, they were lay people, and actually many of them were actually clergy inside the church. And they wanted to understand more about God's universe so that they can worship him that much more. Even Albert Einstein said this. I take it back. Galileo said this. God is known by nature in his works and by, and by doctrine in his revealed word. So even Galileo the scientist who was going to be persecuted for his belief believed that you could do science and God. God is known through what you see and also what you read in his word. So they can actually coexist. And we just need to understand that we need to know who he is. Albert Einstein said this, Science without religion is lame, but religion without science is blind. Let's not have a religion without science. I truly believe that anything in God's creation can be investigated. It can be checked out, and guess what? None of it is going to bring any harm to God. Because if God created it, it can't bring harm to him. So let science do what they got to do. But what we need to do as Christians is make sure that we stand our ground. Make sure that when they say this is real science, 
that they've actually taken real data. Just like in our life, we take real data to to decide what we're going to do. Make sure we stand firm because science and faith can go hand in hand. Science can prove many things. God's Word can prove what science can't. And they can actually work together for the good of all of us. You know, as we talked at the beginning, you know, scientists don't believe in miracles. They, they, they can't understand it because they can't reproduce it. But yet, as believers in Jesus, we can say miracles happen. Scientists can't reproduce the miracles in our life, but we know they happen. One of the greatest miracles of all time was Jesus dying on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And God's word even says that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But how many times do we try and get it right first? Man, I want to go to church, but I got to get my life together. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but he never accept me the way I am. I, I need to clean up my act first. Like I said, God's word says, well, as soon as we all fall short of the glory of God. So if you look to your left or your right, you can turn to that person and say, hey, sinner, how are you doing? Because we're all sinners. We may have different sins, but we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So, so if, if you're saying you're waiting to get yourself ready because you're a sinner, you're amongst friends and family because we're right there with you. But God's word also says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Guess what? Science can't prove that. But God's word shows that it happened. The number of people that saw Jesus, the number of people who have written about Jesus, even after his death, show that Jesus was really here. Talks about how he died on a cross and was raised three days later and then saw people. And if you remember Timothy, I won't believe until I see his hands and can put my fingers in his side. And what did Jesus say? Look at my hands. Put your finger here. So science can't prove it, but God's word does prove it. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So then you get to spend eternity in heaven. And you spend the rest of your life here working on your sinfulness. As you work to sanctify it and get better and better. But he died for your sins, not just the ones you already did. He died for the sins you're going to do later today when you leave the parking lot and someone cuts you off on the highway and you tell them they're number one or you honk your horn. They're already forgiving your sins for tomorrow when you got to go to work on a Monday morning and you don't want to and you got grumpy whoever going to be there waiting on you and you're not going to be happy. Wait a minute, I'm not grumpy. You can't say, oh, yeah. That's pretty sad when the church secretary says, oh, yeah. You know what? I'm just going to take the day off and make you stay here yourself. (laughs) But he paid for those sins. Earlier today, we took communion in remembrance of what he did for you. Remember what he did for you in your life. 
Remember that science and faith can coexist. We just got to stay in our own lanes. And as long as we each stay in our own lanes and we can both prove what we can prove, we can coexist. So stay in your lane. Amen? Amen. So with that, we are going to close a little different today. What I'm going to ask is if you guys could put the scripture up on the screen. And if you can read it with me, Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. All creation, what God created. It's his. There is a creator, and it is our God. Live your life like that, amen? And go into the world and tell someone about you, Jesus. Tell them. Hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. And I just want to let you know, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, at the end of this service, uh, musicians come up. They're going to go ahead and play. You can come up front and go ahead, and I'll be more than happy to pray with you. If you just need prayer, you can come to the altar. But ultimately, what we're going to do different today is I'm going to have my brother Craig pray us out because we're running late, and i got people looking at me like, hey, pastor, I'm going to miss brunch. I think God's word's more important than brunch. But so as everyone leaves after Craig prays, if you need some prayer time, just work your way, swim upstream, and come up here and see me. Amen? Amen. Brother Craig, can you take us home? Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.